Hey everybody, this is Blake with Marvel.com, and I have the pleasure of speaking with Doug Jones. How are you doing today, sir? Oh, I am doing great, and it, wait, that was a good introduction. Just short, sweet, but there was pleasure involved. Yeah? There's, there's more upcoming for the listeners. Uh -oh. um, well, we're in Atlanta for Dragon Con right now, and like I told you earlier, you have probably one of the biggest lines I've seen at the convention, and you're the warmest with your fans. Where does all that energy come from? <laughs> Well, it certainly doesn't come from sleeping a lot. I'll tell you, because uh, you're looking at someone who has not slept in days. Um, uh, it comes from a genuine love for the people who employ me, and that would be the fans who watch what we do. Not the producers or studios. It's the fans who, who, uh, who are watching, because without them, advertisers don't care. And uh, no, nobody puts money into a project if there's no one to watch it. Therefore, it's the watchers and the, uh, the fans of... That, uh, that I adore with all my heart. And this is the venue, uh, this type of thing is the venue where I get to meet them face to face. So um, everybody who comes up to my table, if, that, if there's a line that's formed, it's full of people who help me buy my house. So I want to hug on them and say thank you, thank you, nom, 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 <laughs> you know? And speaking of not sleeping much, you work all the time. Um, you've been in so many great movies, obviously. Fantastic Four for the Marvel fans, Hellboy, just name some of the stuff. I'm sure people don't even know half the things you've been in. Uh, the, the big surprise I get when people see my pictures splayed out on a table here at a convention like this, uh, it would be Hocus Pocus. Mm. Any fans of that uh, that grew up with that Halloween classic movie? Um, I was Billy Butcherson, the dead zombie guy that came back to life and had my mouth sewn shut, my head kept getting kicked off, and all, all that. Uh, that's a, a great, uh, that is a personal favorite of mine, one of. And um, I also was in Pan's Labyrinth. I was the, the, the fawn and, and the pale man character as well, with the eyes and the hands, that creepy guy. Um, and um, more recently, I've, I'm a series regular on Falling Skies on the TNT network, uh, that show with Noah Wiley. Aliens have taken over Earth. And I am a new race of alien that, that was introduced in season three here. And uh, uh, we're here to help the humans fight back the bad aliens. So uh, I'm about to go back up to Vancouver and, and film season four for all of you if, you, if you're a fan of the show. So there's more coming, and there's more of me coming. So that, that's good. And, and, oh, and, but the list goes on. I, uh, I also just did an episode. I did, oh, oh for, now for you Hellboy fans, you'll be, you'll, you'll be tickled to know that Ron Perlman and I worked on film together without rubber on our faces this time in an episode of Sons of Anarchy. I did wow. a, a guest cameo in the show. And it's, it was a, I, I cannot, I, I'm forbidden to tell you because... The, their uh, their storylines getting winding down. I guess they're in the next couple seasons, so they're they're guarding their storylines very, very, very. So I can't tell you what I did exactly, or what venue we were at in the show. But um, but Ron and I uh, had a scene that that I will say was despicable and hideous, and and it will make you all want to take a shower and just get it off of you. <laughs> But uh, but that's uh, but it was so be watching this current next season of uh, Sons of Anarchy and look for me uh, uh, doing lascivious horrible things. Okay. There was another show you mentioned that you can tease. Oh, yes, can I you can. talk about that okay. briefly? We're gonna, I'm going to get my fingers out and tickle y'all on this one. <laughs> any uh, any fans of Teen Wolf? Yes, uh, it's been a, a very highly publicized guest starring role that I'm doing. Um, they put a, a press release out before I even filmed the frickin' thing, so which has never happened before on a show I've done. But um, uh, so I guest starred uh, in in an episode. For, for right now, it's one episode. We'll see what whatever happens. Um, my character's name is uh, William Barrow. William Barrow is a known killer. That's what they released. Known killer, William Barrow. 
and it doesn't give you much, but known killer would mean that I have a history. I might have killed before. I might be a dangerous person to know today, right? Uh, my presence on the show is actually, um, uh, uh, it helps propel the storyline of a key character on the show and, uh, and, and, and helps that key character figure out something about themselves that they did not know before. Uh, so I, I'm very crucial to this character, and they won't <laughs> let me tell you if it's a guy or a girl or what it is. Yeah, so, wow. no, yeah, uh, that, that's, that's the, the pitch I was given by the producers. Here's what you can say at Dragon Con, Doug. <laughs> so you just heard it, and that's a, is it, I don't know if that's enough of a tickle or not. Did that tickle you? Did that tickle you? I'm, I'm being tickled. Okay, okay. <laughs> no, literally. Yes, being and figuratively. <laughs> Um, if I don't ask this question, I'll be tarred and feathered. Okay. But I love your answer because I've asked you this before. But when you were researching uh, Silver Surfer, yeah. you kind of, I think you mentioned you really got into the art, yes. like the old art. Can you talk a little bit about, about that? I did. Um, um, now, having grown up in the, I, grew, I was born in 1960, so when the Silver Surfer was introduced in the Fantastic Four comics, um, I believe it was, eh, I'm going to get this wrong, fellow, you diehard fans. I think it was, was it volume 48? Uh, okay, you don't. You don't even know. Okay, if you don't know, then I'm not going to feel so You're bad. Safe. I think, right? Uh, uh, I went went back. I went to a comic book store in Burbank, California, and I said, "I have just been cast in this huge movie. <laughs> You've got to help me research. Uh, I, I got to go back and see. I, I know I'd heard of the Surfer. I know I'd seen images of him, in, but I really need now to dig in and find out who he is." So the, the the kid behind the counter was like, "Oh my gosh, yes!" Ah! So he took me over, and we found the uh, the anthology books that are you know the the, the whole set of the, you know Fantastic Four and Volume Forty Eight was in there, or maybe maybe it's Forty Nine. I don't know. You purists will know. Uh, and then so I saw how he was birthed in the comic books. Then I got a Silver Surfer anthology with all of uh, the early work, and it was his early work uh, uh, written by Stan Lee himself. At poetically and beautifully about the, the surfer being from another planet and observing humans and their, their condition and what they've done to themselves and each other and their planet. And, and it's, um, he just waxes poetic all the time. And, uh, and Stanley has said that that's his favorite character he ever created in the Marvel Universe because he was able to speak such poetry and, and do such review of the human condition through this one character. Um, so that made him kind of special to me, too. If, if Stan Lee loved him that much, then I did, too, Dagnabbit. Uh, then it was Jack Kirby's artwork. Oh, my gosh. Um, the way he was drawn was so strong and muscular and athletic, yet very um, balletic. Uh, he looked very poised and graceful all the time in every, every frame. So wanting to bring those artistic frames of still pictures to life and bring some movement to connect some of those beautiful poses to each other, uh, that, that was my task. Uh, and that was my task to do it to the satisfaction of the rabid fans who are listening right now. You know, I, I cared about you guys so much more than I did uh, 20th Century Fox. <laughs> you know, my, my, my bosses on the job were, you know, where my paycheck was coming from. That's important, yes. But if you guys aren't buying it, then we've failed. And so I, I wanted to make sure that that was, that was key. And uh, so I, I hope... I hope that Jack Kirby would be proud of me. <laughs> well, you did a fantastic job. I just have to say that. And would 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 you want to play any other Marvel character, or are you a fan? Like, which who are you the biggest fan of in the Marvel universe? Uh, well, no, I, I, characters I could never play. Um, I've always been a fan of of uh, Captain America as well. 
But I was very tickled pink that my friend Chris Evans from the Fantastic Four was able to do that and do it beautifully. I thought he did an absolutely wonderful job as Captain America. I loved him in it. Um, a question was asked of me like maybe 10 years ago at a convention, so, or not a convention, where was I? It was somewhere, and someone said, is there a comic book character you would want to play? And this is before I'd done the first Hellboy even. Uh, so uh, I, the only comic book movies I'd been in was uh, Batman Returns as one of Danny DeVino's sidekicks. I was in the Red Triangle Circus oh, gang right. as a or thin clown. And I think I might have done Mystery Men by then, too, mm -hmm. which is kind of, kind of comic book-ish, superhero-ish, spoof-ish. Uh, and I'd done Tank Girl, which is a comic book uh, property from England that um, I was one of the rippers, one of the kangaroo ripper guys in that. Uh, the list goes on. I mean, I could be here all day telling you. But, um, uh, but when someone asks, like, what is it, what is a, what's a superhero character you love to play? It was uh, Mr. Fantastic. Because I think, you know, long, stretchy. Uh, look at me, for crying out loud. I, I'm, I'm six, three and a half away, 140 pounds. I look like I've already been stretched out. So, but, but now that I, I have, you know, played on film in that Fantastic Four universe with, uh, with Yoan Griffith playing Mr. Fantastic Reed Richards. I thought he was excellent as it, and I wouldn't want to ever, ever do that now. <laughs> so one of, my, one of my first desires has now been done better by someone else, <laughs> you know what I mean? By a couple of them, and Chris Evans did too. I don't have a chest like Chris's, so <laughs> I could never pull that one off. I could look like the skinny kid before he makes his transformation. <laughs> that, I could do, that I could have done, yeah. I gotta say, I, you've told me this story before, but I love hearing it. You, uh, well, David Hyde Pierce didn't get a credit on uh, on Hellboy because of your performance. Can you mention that to the fans if they haven't heard that story? Right. What's well, that whole voice issue that is just, uh, that is you know the bane of my existence uh, was when Hellboy one was made. And now I remind you, David Hyde Pierce voiced over me from Hellboy uh, as Abe Sabian for Hellboy one. I did my own voice in Hellboy two. So that, that's been a bit of a confusion over the years. But um, uh, when I booked the, the, the role of, of Abe Sapien in the first Subway movie, it was had already been discussed previously at Sony Pictures with Guillermo del Toro and all the studio heads that they were what, what A-list actor were they going to get to play that role? Probably nobody would want to go through seven hours of makeup every day. So they talked about the voiceover possibilities to get a name attached to that role. So I come into it after that discussion's happened with like, oh, guys, are you serious? <laughs> you know, and at the time I didn't have any, enough bigger credits of my own to warrant being that name, you know what I mean? So it was, oh, it was disappointing because, uh, anyway. So, uh, so I, 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 uh, I begged them not to do that, and my name was tossed in with, at the time, Kevin Spacey, Steve Buscemi, and David Hyde Pierce, and then... I also had a running chance at it, I was told. Mm -hmm. uh, so, uh, I, of course, I, on the set, I, did, I delivered all the dialogue, so it was my, my role from head to toe, and, and vocally as well. And then in, in uh, post-production, I was the first actor to come in and do the, uh, the um, voiceover looping afterwards. So I, I cleaned up all my own dialogue and made, it, made him sound yummy and luscious. And... Um, and I, I walked away from that feeling very confident that they didn't need to look any farther. But I think, we, I think we've accomplished this now. Well, then two weeks later, I get a phone call from Guillermo del Toro telling me that uh, the, uh, we had to voice over you with David Hyde Pierce uh, because the studio came back to him saying, we love Doug's voice, he sounds great, but didn't you promise us a session with someone, like a name that we could promote and blah, blah. So that's what it was all about. It was about, it was about marketing. And that's fine, that's the studio's job, uh, but it was, I, I, no actor wishes for part of their performance to be replaced, me included. 
So uh, the nice part was that David Hyde Pierce, when he came in to do the voiceover, he heard my original performance in his earpiece, and he was watching me on film in front of him. And he backed away and from his microphone and said, what am I doing here? Which was very, very sweet and very selfless of him. N n not, actors are not selfless people normally. We're just, you know, very selfish beasts. <laughs> so for him to be that kind was, was exceptional. And um, he did his job very well. I thought he did a great job of voicing over me. Uh, but at the end of it all, because of his respect for me, uh, he he's the one who declined the credit in the film. He didn't want his name showing up in the credits anywhere, in the rolling credits at the end or the main titles. Um, he also uh, declined doing any press. He didn't do any, no interviews. He didn't show up to the red carpet premiere, nothing. So uh, they didn't get as much mileage out of him as, they, as they'd hoped. Uh, but that's all because of him. When asked why he declined all that, it was because he said it's out of respect to Doug Jones. So I never met him, and I've still never met him. Wow, really? Yeah. When I do, I'm going to kiss his cheek and say, <laughs> I love you, David Eidbears. So, uh, so by the end of it all, um, Guillermo del Toro on that phone call, uh, when he was telling me that I'd my voice had been replaced, he said, if we get the, the luxury of doing a Hellboy 2, I, I would love to use your voice then. I said, thank you, and I clung on to that notion. <laughs> then what happens between Hellboy 1 and Hellboy 2 is Hellboy animated movies, Sword of Storms and Blood of, Blood of Iron. Uh, Blood and Iron. Sword of Storms and Blood and Iron. Okay. And, uh, he, uh, and because it's a voice-only job for the actors, um, what do you do with that, right? Uh, so they had Ron Perlman back, Selma Blair was back, John Hurt was back, and what do we do with Abe? So they went for the voice that was David Hyde Pierce's. And that's when David Hyde Pierce politely declined. Wow. He did not, I didn't know that part. He did not wow. take the job. And uh, so that was very, very sweet of him again. And that forced them to, to then just come back to me and say, all right, <laughs> here's your, here it is. So I voiced Abe for the, for the animated versions. And um, thankfully, and thank all of you fans out there who know what I'm talking about, if you saw those animated ones, they aired on the Cartoon Network and then went to DVD. And uh, shortly after that first airing of Sword of Storms on, on uh, the Cartoon Network, the fans weighed in on all the chat rooms and message boards, superherohype.com, this.com, that.com, hellboythis.com, that.com. Uh, and everybody was uh, so gracious. Not one negative comment about my voice. It was all, it all was with, why did they ever voice over him in the first place? He's perfect. Da -da 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 -da. So thank you all so much for that because that's what cinched the deal for for Guillermo being able to live up to his word to give me my voice back for Hellboy 2. So there you go. And now when I do a movie, my contracts include a clause that says no one can voice over me. So, so that I don't, I don't do a movie unless I can keep my voice now. Unless, it, unless it's in, you know, Swahili, and I don't speak that, and we're going we're to try to, I'll, you know, mouth the words and get someone to sound better later. That makes sense, you know. I did a French movie called Gainsbourg where I spoke French memorized all the dialogue myself and delivered it as well as an American could do but it's a friend I was an alter ego of this iconic French character and if you think that Parisian French people are going to live with an American accent no for, for a, a beloved French character not a clue not, not nowhere close so in that instance I was the one who told the director you must voice over me with someone who sounds right for your out for your audience oh they're they're gonna be angry villagers with torches coming after me so no 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 voice over me for crying out loud yeah so so there, there's it's it's right in the right instance and it's very wrong in the wrong instance so so I uh, I uh, there you go that's awesome
Speaking of that, like, I mean, you have, besides your films, you have a, a wonderful mime book out. Oh, um, what else do you have out that the fans could check out? Well, yeah, the, mime, the book you're talking about is called Mime Very Own Book. Mm -hmm. A little pun. <laughs> and the book is full of puns. It, uh, it's a photo coffee table book of me as, dressed up as a mime uh, for 250 pages. And you'll see photo depictions of every pun you can possibly tie to the word mime, which would be a mime is a terrible thing to waste. Uh, there's a picture of Marilyn Monroe in there. There's a picture of Mime Muhammad Ali in there. There might be the Mime Elisa. I don't know. Or maybe Venus de Mimelo. She might be in there. She might be. Um, uh, and it's me done, done up with a lot of Photoshopping was done, a lot of uh, poses in various states of undress. Um, and, you know, it's just a big mess. Yeah, a one-track mime is in there. Yeah, a meeting of the mimes <laughs> is in there. Yeah, no, no, the mime scene investigation. Uh, you know, uh, we have a uh, dirty miming. Um, yeah, no, we, uh, oh, the little mermaid, the little mermime is in there. No, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. And there's even a flip. Yeah. So you, if you look at Amazon.com, do a little search for Mime Very Own Book, you will see the whole, you'll see how you can purchase one for your, and they have a Kindle edition as well. Wow, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, uh, so there's that. Um, also, um, aside from big movies and TV shows, I also love to do short films and web series. And, and if it's the right script, the right director, the right story, the right character for me to play, and uh, so I've done a lot of those recently as well. I have a, a, a web series out right now that I absolutely adore. The last episode finally aired, so if you want to see them all together, now you can. And that would be, uh, the show's called Research, with a period at the end of it, Research Period. And that would be, uh, uh, oh, sorry about the walkie-talkie in the background. That would be one of the security people walking around the hotel. <laughs> Okay, he rounded the corner, thank you. Uh, research <laughs> stars Barry Bostwick and myself. Barry Bostwick, of course, from um, Rocky, uh, Horror Rocky Horror Picture Show, Picture Show and Spin City. Uh, um, and I got to play uh, a, a, a one of those human guinea pigs who uh, makes money by doing test studies, you know, flavor studies and uh, side effect studies and all that kind of thing. So it takes, this, the show takes place at that kind of a facility. Barry Bostwick plays one of the crazy scientist doctors who runs the place. And we had an absolute ball, laughing every day and just doing outlandish, over-the-top humor. So if you look for a research period uh, on YouTube, uh, the, actually the channel to find it on is Mildly Fearsome Films. That's their YouTube channel, Mildly Fearsome Films. Uh, and on there, you'll also see other work I've done. This is one of those production companies that I do anything they ask me to do because I love them and they're hilarious. And uh, one of those was a short film called Sudden Death. It's a musical where everyone dies. I play a weird scientist in that. Uh, it's song and dance and, and ridiculous, uh, over-the-top humor again. I also did a Doritos commercial for them that was a, one of those Crash the Super Bowl competition commercials. And uh, then, uh, oh, and they have another web series now called I Hate It, which is a movie review show, which is spoofy. Uh, they they hate everything, uh, and and but they do they hate it for stupid bogus reasons. And I was in their very first episode when they reviewed Pacific Rim, which I'm not in, but they they, they interviewed me via Skype uh, uh, because they thought I was in it because I'm in every Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro film. And they wouldn't believe that I wasn't in this. I kept telling them, guys, I'm, I'm not in the movie, so I really don't know what, uh, what to tell you. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, the, what, I got one thing I've done. I've done a couple of short films recently as well. Uh, over the summer, I did a lot. I played a demon twice. One in a movie called The Visitant, 
produced by John Heater, Napoleon Dynamite, who I also worked with in The Benchwarmers. Uh, he was in that, and I was the robot number seven, John Lovitz's uh, uh, butler robot in that. Um, so The Visitant is a, is a terrifying story of uh, Amy Smart, plays a, a young mom in, the, in this film, and she's being haunted by this demon in her house. And I, but I think the demon might end up, there's a twist. There's a twist. That's all I'm going to tell you. Tickle! Tickle! Uh, I played another demon in a movie called uh, Kiss the Devil in the Dark. I was actually a, a, a British butler in a period Victorian sort of era uh, piece. And I end up, like, you know, ripping off my face and becoming, I'm the devil! Yeah, so that's, uh, that's yet, yet to be seen on the festival circuit as well. I, I love doing that kind of thing all the time. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Last question. How can fans reach you? I know you're very active on Twitter. You, you have an active uh, website. You also have a really nice charity. Can you just tell the fans about that? Uh, ooh, ooh, which charity is that we're talking about? Um, <laughs> I believe it's like acting for uh, youth or whatever. What charity is? Well, I, have, I, have, I, have, okay. well, I have a scholarship fund at the university that I went to, Ball State University. It's the Doug Jones Scholarship Fund. It's an endowed scholarship fund that will finally get funded in October. We're going to reach our goal that that um, that will start paying out next year then. I'm very excited about that because it's taken us five years to build it up. So uh, that so if anyone is, is interested in, in supporting uh, young people who are learning uh, in, in the theater or dance departments uh, of Ball State University, uh, you can get a hold of the, uh, the Alumni Association or, the, or the, the Ball State Foundation and find out how to give to the Doug Jones Scholarship Fund. Awesome. There you go. Uh, also, I'm a big, uh, uh, a, a, uh, an advocate for a group here in Atlanta, Georgia called um, Street Grace. They, um, they are educating and trying to enact uh, uh, the community uh, to eradicate uh, child sex trafficking. I did a short film here in Atlanta a few years ago to, uh, that Street Grace uses as a promotional material. It was called The Candy Shop. And, uh, and I played the candy shop owner in that, and, um, yeah, which was kind of a metaphorical thing where, uh, where uh, uh, the candy was actually children. We, I, I lured children into my candy store, turn them into lollipops, and then sell them, which is kind of what, what child sex trafficking is. It turns them into a commodity that should not be sold, but it is. And uh, <coughs> so... Street Grace is an organization that uh, that is is reaching the world and saying this must stop, and it, it has to stop at many different levels. There's the customer, there's the child, and then there's the uh, there's the pimp, right? So there's there's the, the one who sells, the one who the product, and the, and the customer. So and so there's and all three of them are damaged goods that, that need help, and we need to you know help heal these people. Uh, and all three of those components are need healing in different areas for different reasons. It, it's a multi-level problem. It won't, and it won't be eradicated overnight. So there's that. Yeah. Wow. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I got you derailed. You can reach me on the Webernet. Uh, um, uh, uh, yes, if you look for f on, on Facebook and you, you type in actor Doug Jones, you'll find the right Doug Jones. Um, and you'll find either my personal page, which I cannot add friends to because I've got too many. They cut you off at 5,000. Didn't know that. But, uh, the, but I created a follow button there, so you can follow me on my personal page. Or if you find my fan page first, you can hit the like button on that one. Either one gives you access to my page, my, my, my walls to comment or to uh, uh, hit the like button on. Um, I also am on the Twitter, at actor Doug Jones, on Twitter as well. Um, and, uh, and my website is thedougjonesexperience.com. That's a long one, thedougjonesexperience.com. Once again, thank you so much for joining us. You were one of the nicest men in show oh, business. Stop. It's always a pleasure.
This is Marvel, your universe.